The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? It's been a long time. I hope everybody's had a great holiday, great new year. Um... Today's show is an interesting show. It's, it's one that it actually it took me a long time to put it together. It's, it's uh, studying, and I work a lot with same-sex couples, so it's about gay life. And I titled it Gay Life from Tinkerbells to Grimm's Fairies to uh, Chapstick Lesbians. <laughs> so that's what the show is. And basically, you know, what I'm trying to do is examine the differences between gay and straight life, but I also I'm trying to uh, go into the details of what happens with same-sex couples, both uh, lesbian and uh, male homosexual uh, relationships, because those relationships have their own dynamics to them. And in this day and age, it's, it's legal to marry, especially in many states, and, you know, obviously federal law is now that way. And so many of these folks choose to have families and they choose to have a life. And, and like I said, I counsel lots of folks in this area of life and it's fascinating to me and it's got a lot of shared dynamics with regular relationships. It's got a lot in common with everyone else's life uh, as, as far as how they operate. But the deal is, is that we really need to get a deeper understanding of that community because there, there's a lot of fear factors involved. And so what I've done is I've tried to break down uh, a little bit of the statistics and a little bit of the reality of what we're looking at. Because, you know, gay comes with a lot of stigmas and those stigmas mostly come from the past, from very negative uh, dialogue. But the truth is, uh, gay has been around for thousands of years. It it's actually was a very normal thing in uh, many societies in the Mediterranean and moved its way all the way through Rome and then moved its all the way all the way around the world. And bottom line is is that it's really important to have an understanding of what this lifestyle is like because in this world where gay is not as negative of a label, it's not in the closet as much as it used to be, the truth is is that we all have to understand these folks and we all have to work with them and we all do work with them and spend days and time and thousands of hours uh, with folks that are gay and we need to have empathy and understanding in their life and we need to look at them as equals and not something different. And so uh, what I'm trying to do is give you some subtext uh, to the gay and the straight world and try to get some understanding here. Subtext uh, to a lot of homophobic thinking is the idea that gays will try uh, to get straight people to bed at first opportunity or gays are looking to convert straights. Uh, actually, Sigmund Freud had a concept called uh, Schwansk. 
And uh, the U.S. Army calls it uh, don't ask, don't tell. And, you know, the truth is, is that if you look at the statistics, over 4 million people in uh, OK Cupid by uh, Christian Rudder, which is an author, found virtually no evidence of straight or gay people trying to go after straights. As a matter of fact, what they did find is more straight people going after gay. And so, the, you know, the match returns only dot six percent, less than one percent of gay men have ever searched for straight matches on uh, OK Cupid. Only dot one percent of lesbians have ever searched for straight matches, and only dot one three percent of straight people's profiles visitors are gay. You know, furthermore, in their data set, there was not a single gay user, male or female, who primarily searched for straight people. Gay people aren't more promiscuous also. Another common myth about gay people is that they sleep around, but the statistical reality is gay people as a group aren't any more uh, slutty than straights. 252,900 straight people have ever had a sexual encounter with someone of the same sex in a study uh, conducted once again through the OK or through uh, the Journal of Psychology. Uh, not unexpectedly, uh, they were more women than men that had same-sex desires. Uh, straight women's same-sex desires, one in three straight women had hooked up with another woman and those who haven't over one in four would like to. As for straight men, a surprisingly high 13% have had a same-sex experience, and another 5% haven't yet, but would like to. So this, this once come, again comes from the Journal of Psychology. Uh, meanwhile, additional research found that female same-sex couples were more likely to formalize their relationships through marriage, civil unions, and domestic partnerships, which is a much higher proportion than what would be expected. Across 10 states that provided data, 64% of all same-sex couples that entered legal status for their relationships were female, while men compromised 36%. On the average, 62% of the same-sex couples who were married were female. You know, there are several problems that enter gay lifestyle. There is a, a no sex education for gay people. There's education in schools for straight people, but there's uh, not homosexual sex. And, you know, homosexual sex can be very invasive and it can bring on a lot of problems. And so sex ed classes, you know, are, were awkward and they're, they're terrible for everybody anyway. But all of that Cringing is just the price we pay for the one chance to learn a, a crucial basis for sex. You know, so when you're gay, all your high school sex ed classes are just an awkward set of anatomical IKEA instructions, basically. You know, most uh, lesbian sexual knowledge had to be reverse engineered from heterosexual sex. And, uh, you know, or acquired first-hand research, you know. While that probably sounds like fun, access even uh, just some line of drawings might have reduced the rip-roaring uh, cause of uh, carpal tunnel syndrome uh, many people have. <laughs> you know, it's just a lot of complications, and, and there needs to be. Uh, sex education out there for gay sex. I mean, because once again, it is invasive and it can be very risk-taking. You know, also, they're not taught how to take care of their bodies. You know, you're heterosexual from your teenage years on, you've been hearing about two distinct dangers, which is like accidental pregnancy 
sexually transmitted diseases, but homosexuality leads to a whole host of different health problems that don't get their own chapter in a sex ed book. You know, you you do hear gay people getting warned about HIV all the time, but uh, if you're sexually active gay teenage boy but haven't come out to your parents, you have to figure out a way to talk to your doctor about sex-related health concerns without having a parent in the room. And you absolutely have to do this because you could freaking die, you know, and that's not a good thing. So it's a really good idea to get uh, routine anal pap smears because you're 17 times more likely to get anal cancer as a gay male or anybody that does anal sex. As for lesbians, you know, they have lower rates of STDs than the boy uh, boys do, but generally translating into... Uh, you know, the social care front, they're 10 times less likely to get a rat routine pap test. And that's not a good thing um, because they don't think they can get HPV. Um, this, this also causes a, a cervical cancer. And so it's very important that they, that they get a good relationship with a doctor who understands uh, anatomically what goes on in gay life and they're able to take care of their bodies. Um, you know, Everyday work also, everyday paperwork is a nightmare for gay people. And that is another problem that they, they, they have. Every little thing involving paperwork becomes more complicated when your partner is the same gender. Uh, there are all these extra fees that are uh, entitled to the paperwork. Uh, there's a lot of explaining that has to happen because it's not normal. And, uh, you know... Signing up for insurance, doing your taxes. Well, you know, most gay couples in the past several years, if not all the years of the past, have had to do their taxes separately uh, because they could not be in a legal status as married. And that is a very difficult thing for those folks. Also, you know, a lot of gay people still get an ugly label. Um, they, you know, they, they, people think oftentimes of gay people as young, uh, uh, very effeminate uh, or very masculine uh, female, um, you know, just a very young role. And they don't really look at it and from the perspective that it goes through all age groups. And that's very sad because there are people of all age groups that operate in a gay lifestyle. And that causes a lot of problems for people because as people get older, people presume that they've gotten out of that phase of life or whatever and that stage of life. They don't understand that that is their life. That is their way of life. And uh, it is very normal for them. And uh, so, you know, you've really got to look at people of all ages as being gay, not as the young, sexually uh, dynamic young people that are out there just, you know, using gay as sex. Because gay is so much more than sex. It, it, is, it is a way of life. Okay, and also, the, you know, they're scared to admit that they have problems. That is another problem with gay people. Given all the discrimination about homosexuals, it makes sense for the community to assemble like a Roman legion practically and lock together their rainbow forged shields against the attacking bigots. You know, and this is good because pulling together like that, they're up against people who actually literally want them 
dead. And that can be the truth in many societies and in many parts of the world, in many states, in many cities, all over the country. There's people you know that can't stand people that are gay and would prefer that they be dead. And all, you know, all the, the only real difference as a human being is their sexual preferences. And that's so sad. And it has nothing to do with them. You know, what goes on in people's lives in their sexual life is their own business. And, um, you know, we don't need to make a Broadway production over what other people do. Um, and there are people who commit crimes sexually of all genders and all age groups and all sexual preferences, by the way. It is not just one. Okay. Now, there's a Williams Institute website, and it gave some incredible stats that nearly 150,000 in the United States same-sex couples have either have either married or registered civil unions or domestic partnerships, also which constitutes about one-fifth of the same-sex couples in the United States. Also, about 1% of the total number of currently married or registered same-sex couples get divorced each year, in comparison to about 2% of the total number of married straight couples. Note that the percentage of couples that get divorced eventually is close to 50%, but only 1% or 2% of them get divorced in a particular year. So actually, divorces are more common in straight relationships. Also, couples are more likely to legally formalize their relationship when marriage is an option as opposed to marriage-equivalent domestic partnerships in gay life. Nearly two-thirds of registered or married same-sex couples are lesbians, and about a third are gay. A small percentage of the same-sex couples register or marry in comparison to straight couples, but if current trends continue, marriage registration rates will be similar in about probably 10 years. A smaller percentage of same-sex couples register or marry in comparison to straight couples. So, first, marriage is more attractive to same-sex couples than legally equivalent registration as a civil union or domestic partners. And, and this, uh, this actual should not surprise us. Interestingly, gay and lesbian folks seem to be not all that different than straight couples when it comes to love and romance. Uh, you know, lawyers tend to see marriage rights in terms of legal benefits it confers, but that is not what motivates most couples to get married. Second, you know, marriage is more appealing to women than to men, and, and that goes across the board, whether gay or straight. There are some uh, demographic reasons for this pattern. Women are more likely to be raising children. They're more likely to have one partner that is unemployed. Thus, they need health benefits, and they tend to have lower incomes than their male counterparts and thus are concerned about legal benefits of marriage. But it's also about our culture, despite, you know, about the gay culture. Despite the feminist arguments to the contrary, women tend to be more marriage-focused. They, uh, be they straight or lesbian, and remember, lesbian women are still women. Interestingly, some studies have shown that committed lesbian relationships don't last any longer than gay men's relationships. And it would be fascinating uh, to see whether the married lesbians stick together longer than the unmarried ones. Now, the third point is that the divorce rate is lower for same-sex couples than straight couples. And it'd be a wonderful uh, uh, proclamation that this shows that gay folks are more committed to their marriage than straight folks. And given the recent rash of near incestuous divorces like the Kardashians, uh, this wouldn't seem that crazy. 
And uh, so, you know, looking at this, we have to understand that there has to be some equivocal uh, thinking, some equal thinking, equal opportunity thinking in returns to gay life. So, you know, gay marriage, gay relationships tend to be more egalitarian, egalitarian in part because same-sex couples don't divide work along traditional gender lines. Gay couples also report less conflict and more happiness in their relationships. And because gay couples often lack the support of family members, they tend to receive social support from an extended network of friends. And after the couples have been followed uh, for three years, and this is, was published in the Journal of Family Psychology, uh, the, the uh, also in the journal Developmental Psychology, while the findings were illuminated, much of the research raised more questions about how gender can influence simple marital dynamics. Nearly every measure, same-sex couples in this study reported higher levels of happiness in their relationships than straights. Gay couples far, had far, more less confl- far less more conflict than heterosexual couples and higher levels of intimacy. Gay couples were more likely to feel that they could confide in their partners, experience higher levels of affection, and be happier with their sex lives. One reason same-sex couples may report more satisfaction and less conflict is that their relationships tend to be less defined by traditional ones. Men, gay or straight, often find it easier to communicate and share perspective with other men. Women typically find communication easier with other women. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Then it helps to have two Martians negotiating a conflict or two Venetians. You know, all things being equal with gay couples, you have two beings who have socialized in very, very similar ways. And even though gay couples reported more overall happiness in their relationships, they were also more likely to break up. But after three years of follow-up on that study, uh, once again by the Journal of Developmental Psychology, um, the breakup in the studies for civil unions was nearly 9.3%, and that's in three years. Gay couples in civil unions had a breakup rate of 3.8, while 2.7% had split up. Now, this is civil unions was 9.3%. That is prior to marriage. Now we're into the marriage world. We don't have the statistics yet because there's not been enough time. So, you know, the deal is when things aren't going well, same-sex couple may find it easier to just split up now that the marriage laws are becoming more widespread Gay couples will also have to go through the legal process of breaking up, and that is going to change all of the factors. You know, it's just, it's not a good barometer uh, for us to look at just um, the civil unions, but the fact is, is that's all about the information that we have at this point. So here's some of the most common gay couple issues. Money. Money is a huge factor, and we're going to come back in a minute, and we're going to take a look at some of these common issues such as money and also look at how gay people raise children how they operate as a couple and and other things that operate in their lives that are different than ours that all of us need to understand and all of us can actually embrace because we experience it ourselves in the heterosexual world we'll be back your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Are you good at leading yourself? In order to be more effective leaders in business, as managers, or in any organization, you've got to start by being good at self-leadership. On Leadership Takeoff, host Mo Glenner and his guests bring you the tools to help you lead yourself and your team to truly become the pilot in command. You need to tune in to Leadership Takeoff, live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Because the sky is not the limit. It's only the beginning. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about uh, gay couples, gay people, gay life. And uh, right now, we're going to go into the couples issues, the the most uh, prominent couples issues that are around. And it's interesting that um, the number one is money and the number two is sex because usually it is the other way around in heterosexual relationships. But with the gay community, gay couples uh, can have a lot of conflict around money. Statistically, uh, you know, white men especially tend to be higher earners, at least from all of the research that's been conducted. Um, The sexism that women only earn a portion of what men earn for the same work extends to both gay men and straight men. Both gay men and straight men will compete with each other regarding financial success. However, they don't define it. And, and this competition can be within those groups, between those groups and even with the gay couple itself. It's hard to find a gay male couple where issues of competition don't come up. I mean, in the male environment, you do find that. Now, what's interesting is in the lesbian environment, it is less so. What you tend to find in the lesbian environment is more interesting. You usually have one that is more conservative financial. Uh, financially, usually the more masculine lesbian, if they play it as a masculine feminine role, and the feminine is usually a big spender. And so many times you're going to find that in those relationships, they don't balance out well because one uh, often has a different thought about finances and a thought about spending. Um, You know, helping gay couples resolve conflicts about money involves helping the partners to understand that this is not competition that, that one partner uh, must 
dominate or be declared the winner. That is not the case. You don't want to be having a dominant or a, a winner. There is no win or lose uh, when it comes, especially with men, when it comes to negotiating finances. You know, it's it's about helping people understand that their household is not uh, two eyes, that they live under the same roof, and it's about forming a we, forming we where the partnership is 50-50 in the relationship and the discussion about money needs to continue and it needs to be ongoing and it needs to be a compromising dialogue where no one's right, where we have to be willing to hear each other's perspective and that can be very hard but oftentimes I find in therapy when I'm able to reflect on the other partner's perspective, they hear it better than them telling each other. Uh, for some reason, there's a trust factor usually in there, and when I bring it to the table, it just sounds different. And so sometimes getting counseling as gay couples on money is not a bad idea, And uh, because if that factor comes into the relationship, it could turn into resentment, which goes to the next point. It affects us oftentimes as a, as a power play, their sex life, you know. They tend to, uh, gays tend to approach sex differently. You know, the, you know, we know that the uh, many times gays actually are not as monogamous in their relationships as many people in straight relationships. However, I'm not suggesting that all gay couples are like this, but many times you will find that they're open to the idea of having a third party or open to the idea, especially in the man relationships, less so in the women's relationships. But there is a, a sense that it's okay to be with another person as long as accepted widely in the gay community. However, in the straight community, we look down on that from a religious perspective that all relationships should be monogamous. Now, the truth is, in all uh, relationships, monogamy is a lifetime struggle for many people, no matter what their choice of sexual desire is. Also, household chores is an area that oftentimes is a issue in a gay couple's relationship. Um, the deal is, is it's it's you got to understand who's the best at organization, who is the best at repair, uh, who who is the best at cleaning. Uh, who is more more? Who's going to pay the bills? Who's better uh, supervising the house? Who mows the lawn? Who pays the gardener? Who supervises the children if they have children? Uh, who puts them to bed? You know the deal is that many times this may flow back and forth between uh, gay partners, lesbian partners. It's it's extremely un- uh, important to understand that they have to develop a flow based on their talents, not their gender preference. You know, we oftentimes in the straight community look at people as having chores which are masculine. So the male takes on the mowing of the house, the gardening, that you know, taking care of the home, painting, repairing, those kind of things. And the woman takes care of the children, cooks, cleans takes care of the house, those kind of things. Well, that's not the same in gay life. And so it can be very complicating negotiating these household chores and the things that take care of their life, such as paying the bills in gays, because it has to do with the individual's talents rather than the gender roles. Also, you know, with kids, kids are oftentimes a huge factor of issues in a gay relationships. And because once again, we tend to look at the roles of a male and a female in a straight relationship 
as being how they how we align to our children. Uh, for instance, if the kids are in sports, then sometimes the male parent will take on the sports, and the female may take on the ballet or whatever. You know, it, it, it's just a factor where one is assumed to be leading. Well, in the, in gay life, they have to kind of negotiate either evenly, hopefully, uh, about who takes care of what. And once again, it has to do with individual interest, individual talents, and how well-connected people are in the relationship to their children. But that makes a very complicated dialogue. And once again, counseling is a very good idea. Um, because once again, you have no gender stereotype way to view raising children in a gay family. Uh, also, family in itself is a huge role, and uh, and also taking care of aging parents can be a very uh, a huge issue in gay life. It's assumed that gay people are single, even if they're with somebody. So many families will take for granted a gay person, especially if they feel like they're empathetic or caring. They'll take advantage of the gay person and basically load them down with an aging parent. And it's very sad because many times they lose their relationships uh, by doing this because it's it's more of a a duty that they've been given because of how their life is perceived. Well, you got time, you're single, you know, even though you're with somebody, you know, you don't do the things that families do, you know, you don't have to do all the things that we do as, as straight people. And that assumption can really mess people up. So, you know, the other thing is, is that in-laws uh, can be fairly hostile uh, towards a gay partner, and that also causes family problems uh, because they may not take it out on their child, but they take it out on the one that they're with is blaming that one for making their their uh, child uh, gay. And that's kind of sad. It's very sad. There's other uh, uh, issues which include work. Um, you know, it seems to be more accepted that work often has to come first in uh, gay life. And so uh, busy executives, whether straight or gay, have been socialized that it just comes with the job to work later nights, weekends, and even on vacations. And so for many men and women, they tend to focus on their work and their gay life. And if you've got two people that are motivated around work, what happens is they grow apart. And so in counseling, we tend to find that as an issue in gay relationships. Also, fun. You know, one of the huge consistent benefits uh, I've observed in, in gay couples is that they consistently uh, ju- uh, demonstrate youthfulness, playfulness, a sense of fun, especially with friends. They socialize better, and they do better with each other. They do dance clubs. They, they do cruises. Um, they usually have a more explicit sexual dialogue with other people or with themselves. Uh, they attend charitable events, uh, dining adventures, celebrating birthdays, anniversaries, and creative ways, uh, athleticism, indulging pets, uh, home improvements that are pristine, world travel, you know, it goes on and on. And many of these these folks in these relationships have a very exuberant spirit. And when both people have these traits, they have a, a dream life in many ways. Also, uh, stimuli, similar to uh, the fun element, uh, you know, as far as age appropriate, they have a more liberal approach to things that stimulate and challenge them, particularly physically. And this can include, uh, well, alcohol, uh, recreational drugs, exotic foods, trendy diets. You know, 
men are usually physically larger, so they can go through a lot of alcohol and a lot of food events. Um, and wow, it can be a trip and it can actually be a bad thing. And so getting balance because of the search for stimulation is similar by the same sex couple. You sometimes find yourself trapped or financially depleted because of seeking uh, stimulation. Also, um, appearance is another issue. Uh, People have a sense of gay people, especially men and women, uh, can find themselves in a uh, very competitive outlook of how they look. And uh, that sometimes can do bad things. It can create negative relationships. It can create a negative sense in the, in, in the physical relationship that gay people have or the committed relationship because they basically compete with how each other looks. You know, you look better than me. That physical aspect can be very demanding in a, in a, a gay life. And that competition can actually factor into a therapy dialogue. And so uh, that's the bottom line as far as the big issues. But raising children in a gay marriage, there's four very strong studies that were done. Wainwright, Russell, Patterson in 2004, uh, drawing a nationally representative sample of more than uh, 12,105 adolescents in a national study of adolescent health. The authors compared 44 adolescents raised by female same-sex couples with 44 raised by heterosexual. The comparison groups were matched child for child, uh, and the findings were there were no differences in adolescents' psychological or psychosocial adjustment, including depressive symptoms, anxiety, self-esteem, no differences in grade point averages or problems in school. Adolescents with same-sex parents reported feeling more connected to school. The authors of this study also found it was the qualities of adolescent parent, uh, adolescent parent relationships rather than the structural features of families, for example, uh, same versus uh, opposite sex parents that were significantly associated with adolescent adjustment. Across, that means that they were more connected with the, the same sex parents. And across a uh, diverse array of assessments, they found that the personal, family, and social adjustment of adolescents living with same-sex parents did not differ from the adolescents living with opposite-sex parents. There's another study by uh, Glombach, and this was uh, their methodology, and this was in England. They drew on geographic population of about 14,000 mothers and their children to identify uh, lesbian mother families. And uh, then added uh, lesbian mothers identified through referrals and lesbian mother support groups. And their findings were children were reared by lesbian mothers appears to be functioning well. They do not experience negative psychological consequences arriving from the nature of their family environment. And the authors also uh, noted that there was greater... uh, smacking of the children and violence towards children from uh, straight couples. And that's very sad. Also, uh, Chan, Raboy, and Patterson, uh, they, drew, they drew from a sperm bank uh, that was used for same-sex couples. And what their findings were, that children's outcomes were unrelated to per, uh, parental sexual orientation uh, for both single parents and coupled families. And on the basis of assessments, the children's social acceptance and behavioral problems that were collected were almost impossible to distinguish from the straight couples. 
There was another one called uh, Breeway, and they used a, uh, a sample drawn from a fertility clinic in Brussels University Hospital, and their findings were children's emotional and, and uh, behavioral adjustment did not differ between same-sex couples and, and straight couples. So once again, I'm trying to show you that the sense is we're very scared about the direction, especially the impact of children of same-sex relationships. And I'm here to tell you, I have seen same-sex relationships for more than 15 years. And in that time, I have not seen where children have been negatively impacted by relationships. So, you know, we got to look at the issues that folks have and the differences in in, in uh in the by the uh, excuse me in the gay community, there's another community that I need to talk about, and that is the bisexual community. You know, the, bisexual means that they're attracted to both sexes, or you know, they they don't have a preference, and they have the capacity to love people that are the same gender or different gender, and this can include physical, sexual, emotional. And, uh, and relationships. And over time in life, a bisexual person might feel attracted to men, to women, to transgender people, uh, to uh, gender queer people, or to asexual people. I mean, it's across the board just like anyone else. But their, their attraction is not gender-based. And so, you know, and this crosses all, all distinctions of race, ethnicity, gender, age, class, ability, religious affiliation. And there are many, many millions of people in society that are bisexual that operate either under, uh, behind the door, or in, out in front of society. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very complicated world, even more complicated than straight because it can't be defined and, it, and it's perceived as predatorial. And it's sad because... Uh, it's, it's not a very well understood uh, life. So, you know, there's alternating, there's all kinds of different kinds of bisexuals. There's alternating bisexuals, which may have a relationship with a man. And then after that relationship's in, they may choose a female. Um, there's also circumstantial, which is primarily uh, heterosexual, but choose same-sex sex partners only in situations where they have no access to other partners. Uh, such as jail, the military, uh, gender segregation, uh, school, uh, like a male school, all-male school, all-female school. There's concurrent sexual uh, uh, relationship bisexuals that have primarily a relationship with one gender only, but also have other casual or secondary relationships with people of other genders. There's conditional bisexuals. They're either uh, straight or gay lesbian, but will switch to a relationship from another gender for financial or career gain or for a specific purpose, such as a young straight males who become gay prostitutes or lesbians who get married to men in order to gain acceptance from family members or to have children. Also, there's emotional bisexuals. They have intimate emotional relationships with both men and women, but only have sexual relationships with one gender. There's integrated bisexuals, which have more than one primary relationship at the same time, one with a man, one with a woman. There's exploratory, uh, that they have sex with another gender just to satisfy curiosity, see what it's like. There's hedonistic ones, which are primarily straight or gay lesbian, but will sometimes have sex with another gender primarily for fun and sexual satisfaction. There's recreational bisexuals, which engage in gay lesbian sex only when under the influence of drugs or alcohol. 
And there's also latent bisexuals, which are completely straight or gay, uh, lesbian in behavior, but have a strong desire for sex for another gender. And uh, there's motivational uh, which bisexuals, which are straight women who have sex with other women only because a male partner insists on it or titillates them. And then there's uh, transitional bisexuals, which they identify as a uh, bisexual while in the process of moving from being straight or being gay. So it is a very, very complicated world. We're going to go back into bisexuality in uh, the next after the next break. Thanks for listening. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at DRGBMFT for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or DRGBMFT.com. Remember, DrGBMFT.com. Are decisions at the leadership level determined by influences of external factors? Discover by tuning into From the Boardroom to the Bedroom, The Protocol Praxis with Suzanne Z. Pedro. Science reveals that decisions are made subconsciously based on emotions and learning which occurs before one is aware. So take a chance. Open the door. Reframe your critical decisions with proven successful strategies. The Boardroom to the Bedroom. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Okay, we're talking about bisexuality. Um, You know, many uh, people that are bisexual uh, keep their sexual orientation secret. So, you know, bisexual people as a group are nearly invisible in society. And uh, they they obviously recognize a need to pull together together. But there is a lot of guilt and shame for bisexual people because they feel like they're very crazy or indecisive and they just don't know what to do. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a very much what's called a closeted community. And uh, the other problem is uh, they seem to have uh, research has shown that bisexuals in some ways are similarly 
similarly studied as biracial people too because their their statistics are very similar. Mixed race persons generally don't feel comfortable or accepted by people of either ethnic group feeling that they don't belong or fit anywhere. And as their existence challenges the very uh, concept of race, like bisexual people, they spend most of their lives between two communities that don't really understand or accept them. And like biracial people, bisexual people must struggle to invent their own identities or correspond to their own experience. Forming a, a bisexual identity helps bi- uh, bisexual people to structure or make sense of their life. But, you know, people want consistency. And people that are inconsistency, inconsistent also have lots of issues around being trusted or trust. And so here's – it's just important to understand that – Having a bisexual nature is normal in this world. There are people who are attracted to both, and it is just as normal as being straight or being gay or whatever. Now, here's just for identities reasons so that a person is wondering whether they're bisexual. There's stages. You know, for most bisexuals, there's at least four steps or stages to fully acknowledging or becoming comfortable with their identities. There's a, the first is confusion over their sexual orientation. Most bisexual people start out feeling very confused about their attraction towards people of both sexes, uh, questioning their reality, wondering if something's wrong with them. Uh, some spend their entire lives in this stage, hiding their sexual orientation, and many don't leave this stage. And they, they feel isolated and alone with inner turmoil and depression and dual attractions and feeling like their life is a lie. And it causes many counseling issues. And I can tell you, I've had so many uh, sessions where they can't come to peace with the idea that that is who they are. Also, the discovery of bisexual label and choosing the identity of a bisexual. Almost all bisexual people acknowledge that discovering the label bisexual was pivotal to understanding and accepting their sexual orientation. And most experience extreme relief when they hear the word bisexual for the first time because they finally have a word that mirrors their experience and feelings. And for some, the negative stereotypes of bisexuals as promiscuous, fence-sitters, neurotic, or vectors of AIDS prevent them from identifying with the label or claiming it for themselves. But most agree that it comes closer than any other language to describing their lives instead of rejecting the label that many bisexuals invent their own definition and create bisexual lifestyles that fit their individual lives. And I can tell you that going online is not a bad idea for people that are bisexual so they can identify with others that have the same struggles. And then there's the transforming, uh, settling into and maintaining a bisexual identity. Uh, This step is very difficult. And identically, they feel good about being bisexual, but emotionally, they experience extreme conflict uh, living in the real world as a bisexual, and they're often scorned by family and friends and rejected by spouses and potential partners for being bisexual because everybody is now a sexual target for them. You could be attracted to anybody, and that is very concerning to people. Um, The other stage and the last stages is transforming adversity. Uh, For most uh, bisexuals, coming out and staying out of the closet is an ongoing process, just like being gay. Uh, which must be repeated with every new social situation, workplace, friend, and lover. And many see this process as the most important 
form of political action, creating visible role models in a cohesive community. Because most bisexuals have suffered through the first three stages alone in silence, and they want to make it easier for other bisexuals to recognize and embrace their sexual orientation without years of turmoil and loneliness. Many also get involved in bisexual political organizations, and this means that they've actually accepted their lifestyle, and they're actually showing other people in this world that it is possible to live that lifestyle. So, you know, going into that very complex world is an important thing that I wanted to do in today's um, show. But the other thing is, I want to talk about protection. You know, coming into terms with your own sexuality can be very difficult. In fact, the hardest person you may ever have to tell is yourself. Only tell others when you feel safe you're ready. And it's not always easy. Some people might be very receptive, while others might not be able to handle the information as well as you'd hope for. Now, we're talking about coming out as a gay person, as a bisexual, as a transgender, whatever it is. It, you know, sometimes it might be easier to talk about your sexuality with someone you know will understand, such as a friend, a sibling, a parent, a guidance counselor, or other trusted adult. You know, but you also might want to seek a counselor because if you seek counseling, they may be able to assist you in an environment that is completely confidential. So, if it's woman to woman sex, um, the best thing to do is use a barrier, such as a dental dam, latex gloves plastic wrap to reduce the risk of HIV or STI transmission. If it's woman and man, use a condom at every act of anal, oral, or vaginal intercourse to reduce the risk of HIV transmission and pregnancy. For best results, use another form of birth control and a condom. It's not a bad idea to use both. Uh, Man-man sex. Use a condom and plenty of lubricant at every act of anal intercourse. Use a condom for oral intercourse as well. Trans or queer gender and safe trans and queer gender people can experience HIV, STIs, and pregnancy. So use protections, condoms, or dental dams at every act of anal, oral, or vaginal sex. Any sexual relationship, you want to remember to always use water-based lubricants with condoms. Oil-based lubricants can break down the latex. Remember that blood-to-blood contact is the most direct route of HIV and sharing equipment or needles for using drugs, taking medication, piercing, tattooing is dangerous since blood may be left on the used equipment or the needles. So always use new needles and other equipment or else clean the needles and equipment by rinsing several times with bleach, then with water. And I can't tell you how important protection is for all people, but in that environment especially, it is. Now, I want to talk about another uh set of folks that are impacted in a very negative way, and that's people that are older, people that are gay and aging. You know, it's it's many older uh, gay or lesbian people have financial woes that can be traced to the fact that discrimination was legal during their work lives, which often meant that their thinner paychecks, limited access to health care, fewer chances to build pensions, and smaller social security payments. You know, for example, lesbian couples, Social Security benefits are typically 31.5% smaller, and gays couples' benefits are usually 17.8% smaller than are those of heterosexual couples. And that's a study from 2012. 
Also, family members provide about 80% of long-term care in the, real, in the United States, but that's not the case with gay elders. They're, not more, like, they're more likely uh, to be single, childless, and estranged from their biological families. And instead, many of them wind up relying on friends in their community, their so-called families of choice, and that's just the beginning. Uh, you know, according to the report... Uh, official policies and laws and institutional regulations offer uh, same-sex partners few resources afforded to spouses and biological family members. And we just don't think about that as people. We don't think about that, that gay life, as you get older, is an enormous struggle, especially for support, especially for a place which uh, may have to medically take care of you, a nursing home such as. You know, there's a whole bunch of challenges and pitfalls for same-sex couples in general. You know, despite paying into Social Security, uh, gay elders don't get the same benefits for their heterosexual peers, uh, with the biggest difference being that same-sex couples are denied spousal and survival benefits routinely provided to married heterosexual couples. That's why marriage has become uh, so important from the Supreme Court ruling, is so they can actually have access Also, um, similar disparities occur in Medicaid and long-term care. Medicaid does not require a healthy partner to impoverish himself or herself to qualify a spouse for long-term care. But spousal impoverishment protections do not exist for same-sex couples and families of choice. Now, they're beginning to now that marriage is legal federally. Also, uh, IRAs and other retirement plans have benefits that are unequal to those enjoyed by heterosexual couples in many regards. Employer policies regarding pensions do not provide surviving partners, same-sex couples, with the same financial protections as heterosexual couples. And under federal tax law, employers can provide health insurance to heterosexual spouse of a current and retired uh, employee tax-free but insurance benefits for partner and same-sex couples are taxable. So these laws are changing, by the way. The dynamics of these laws are, are, are constantly changing. And I'm hoping with marital sex or marital uh, relationships of gay partners that people begin to see and experience in that community an equality with the heterosexual community. You know, even personal... Uh, at places that deliver health care, uh, personnel that deliver health care may be difficult because some people do not like gay people and so they will treat them poorly. And so many times uh, there are disparities between how heterosexual people are treated and gay people are treated in, a, uh, in an elderly uh, treatment program or a nursing home. You know, the, the nursing homes sometimes have staff who create unwelcome environments for gays. Uh, such as visitation policies and medical decision-making laws that exclude families of choice. Uh, Social isolation can loom large as a state-of-life issue among gay elders who are more likely than others to live alone. And uh, such isolation has been linked to higher rates of depression, poverty, rehospitalization, delayed care-seeking, poor nutrition, premature death, and, and, you know, Not only do gay elders lack support from many mainstream aging programs, including senior centers and places of worship, but elder gays tend to lack support from a feel unwelcome in the broader gay community. Uh, They may face discrimination in connecting to their communities by being denied housing in mainstream retirement communities. I mean, there, there is even prejudice within the gay community. 
So, you know, aging gay is not a pretty sight, and it actually requires people to step up and, and be more uh, em- em- empathetic and compassionate towards these folks. Now, um, you know, looking at the difference in, in straight and gay can also be very complicated. Um, although marriage rates in general are declining, marriage is still the most prevalent heterosexual activity. Even in those jurisdictions that allow same-sex marriages, gay and lesbians are much less likely to marry. For example, Scandinavian Canada, where gay marriage is already legal, rates of marriage are much lower than many uh, heterosexuals. 20% of lesbians and 5% of gay men compared to 50% of homo or heterosexuals. Um, also, you know, looking at uh, permanence, decades of high divorce rates have taken their toll on marriages, permanence, and sex, same-sex couples, especially lesbians, are still significantly more likely to break up than traditional uh, heterosexual ones. Uh, gay uh, women tend to to break up a lot more than men. All right, that is about as far as I could go in this show, and that's a lot of content. Like I said, I did a lot of research trying to understand this, and obviously I interact with the gay community uh, not through preference but through my profession. And so, once again, there is no difference, and it's so important to understand this. If you see gay people raising children... There is no difference in how the sexual preferences of those kids when they come out of a relationship that's same-sex or heterosexual. There's literally statistically no difference. That's our show. Our next show is Making Your Resolution Stick. And I've got a special guest from Scotland. His name is Scott Hay. He is a life coach, and he'll be joining me for that show. I want to thank everyone for listening. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. DRGBMFT at SBCGlobal.net or Twitter at DRGBMFT. Now, remember, this is Roseanne Barr. I thank God for creating gay men because if it wasn't for them, us fat women would have no one to dance with. And also, this is from Elaine Boozer. Boozler, sorry. My brother is gay, and my parents don't care as long as he marries a doctor. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.